is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 431, recorded on Tuesday, April the 16th, 2019. Hooray, the date. I almost I almost got it wrong, but I think I got it right, didn't I? I don't know. April 16th. Yeah, it's the 16th. <laughs> Good. That's wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Jason, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I am doing okay, Chris. How are you? I'm all right, too. My shoulder's a little sore, but I don't want to complain. I don't want to complain. I think they're <laughs> too things, late, my friend. Things are just fine, you know? So a, a sore shoulder, that'll probably be gone tomorrow and everything will be rosy again. Well, it's been quite a few years since uh, I've been able to say that nothing hurts. At any given moment. At any given moment, something is at least uncomfortable. Well, I'm with you. I mean, at our age, I think that's just what starts to happen. It seems yeah. to be anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm sorry to hear your shoulder hurts, but suck it up. Yeah, I will. I'll be fine. Uh, all right. What are we going to do on the program today? You might be wondering, and I have an answer for you. Okay. Please answer. We are going to do some more feedback about the season nine finale of the walking dead. Nice. More than I even planned to do actually. Uh, so that's exciting. We're also going to get caught up on a little bit of the big Walking Dead news from the last few weeks, because there are a few items that I think we do need to discuss. There's some big news? There's some, I think there's some fairly big news, yeah. Um, cool. So, so get ready for that. But first, I want to just talk a little bit uh, briefly about what we're going to do on the podcast in the next couple of months, uh, because I do have some plans. And I thought people might be interested in that. And for some reason, I feel like doing it up here off the top instead of at the end. So awesome. uh, we won't we won't dwell on it too long. But two things, two things I want to do over the next couple of months uh, that have been requested of us and or mentioned previously on the show by us and then kind of endorsed by listeners. Sweet. So the first one is that we will indeed be doing an episode about the British uh, miniseries called Dead Set. Okay. So I mentioned this before. People got very excited. And frankly, people have been asking us or, or asking me via email generally what, you know, if we've seen it and what our opinion is on it. So I have watched it before. I don't believe you have, uh, but I'll watch it again. And we'll do an episode on that. Uh, the whole miniseries. How many episodes are in the miniseries? It's five. Uh, or it may have originally been six, but I think the first two were combined into one, at least on Netflix. Okay. It is available on Netflix. It is over a decade old at this point. And something that I forgot before, which may pique your interest a little bit, is that the whole thing was written by Charlie Brooker, who is the guy who now does Black Mirror. Nice. So, you know, I think ever, anyone who's been listening for a while knows that we are both big Black Mirror fans. Mm -hmm. Charlie Brooker is a smart guy behind that. So this is one of the earlier things he did in his career. And uh, I look forward to watching it again. So everyone, awesome. everyone who's been wanting us to uh, talk about Dead Set, your wish will come true. 
your dream will come true over the next uh, little while. So this is one of the things that Charlie Brooker did early on in his career. Is that what you just said? That's what I just said. One of the first things he did. So I'm thinking, you know, what immediately popped into my head was something that Andrew Lincoln did early in his career, which was uh, have his penis out in his job. So I'm wondering if Charlie Brooker did uh, the writing of this show with his penis out. (laughs) Well, you know, there's only one way to find out, and that's probably to tweet him the question. Oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't Twitter. Yeah, I know that. Um, <laughs> I find it odd that, that really the only thing you remember about early Andrew Lincoln performances is that he did it with his wiener out. Well, I don't actually remember the visual of that. I just remember <laughs> that it happened. It did happen. Yeah. And this just, you just said early in his career and we're, you know, generally this podcast is about the walking dead generally. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so it just reminded me of that. And I'm just, I'm wondering if, uh. If he, if he wrote it with, you know, naked. Well, he might've, I don't know. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and assume he did. If he did all the you know, more power to him, right? Whatever. I mean, it's fine. You know, how, whatever makes you comfortable and whatever gets you in the mood for, for writing, you yeah. know, whatever, whatever your muse is, uh, as long as, uh, everybody around is a consenting adult, you're good. Yeah. You're absolutely good. So. We are, I I was trying to say that I'm not sure exactly when we'll get to it over the next, you know, let's say four to six weeks, probably at the most, uh, we will be reviewing the miniseries dead set written by Charlie Brooker with his penis out. Yeah. Written by a naked man. Written by a naked man. All right. So that will be very exciting. The other thing we want to do, or that I want to do, and this is going to be news to you, Jason, so I apologize. Yeah, no, this is all, this is all brand new information. I don't, well, I, I don't know to be fair, happening. I mentioned Dead Set before. No, so. no, yeah, that, that's fine. No, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about future tense here. This, uh, what you're about to tell me, I don't know what you're going to say. So you're telling me what the plan is, and I don't know what the plan is, and I kind of like it. So tell me what the plan is. I'm about to. Okay. More than one listener wrote in and asked, again, for us to watch something, and this is a newer property. Um, and it's called Black Summer. And it, oh, I, yeah, I've seen that on my uh, Netflix has been pushing that on me. Right. So it is another Netflix show. Four or five, at least, people have asked about it. And it sounds interesting, and everyone seems to think it's pretty good. So I decided that there's no reason we shouldn't give it a try. I figure we can watch the first two episodes and uh, talk about that as well. Your reasoning is sound. Okay. Uh, the listeners are awesome. I'm on board. And generally correct. So, uh, good. Who is the listeners? The listeners. are generally correct, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally smart, I should say. So they know what they're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking we'll do that one on our next podcast. I figure uh, in the next couple of weeks, we can commit to watching two episodes of a TV show and then preparing a podcast and talking about it. Uh, yeah, good, good idea. Think that works for you? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, Hopefully, good. I remember so I don't have to watch it five times afterwards. But that's fine. I hope so. Yeah, but I'll I'll remember. I'll remember. You. It's only one thing. It's fine. Um, that's exciting. So thank you everyone for sending that in. I probably would have got around to it anyways because I had been hearing good things. But you know, you gave me the kick in the ass I needed to sit down on my couch, turn on my TV, and start watching it. <laughs> Twist your arm. Twist my rubber arm. <laughs> yeah. Sit down on the couch, open a beer, grab some popcorn, turn on the TV and watch Netflix. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's the motivation I need in order to do that. That's pretty tough most of the time. Yeah. So that'll be Black Summer. That'll be on our next show. Uh, I'm going to say 
within the next two weeks. It certainly won't be longer than that. So, okay. Exciting stuff. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I want to do, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to have a inkling to do, or, you know, something like that is probably talk about Avengers Endgame a little bit once we've seen it. I'm not going right, to. That's like a week away or something. I think right? it's nine or 10 days. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a feeling I'm going to want to talk about it. So we'll have to maybe fit that into the podcast at some point as well. Obviously not walking dead and or zombie related really in any way. Um, but I do think, you know, I'm going to want to talk about it. So we may do that at some point as well, but of course I don't know for sure, uh, yet when that's going to be. I'm also pretty positive that I'm not going to delay seeing it opening weekend for sure on that one. Yeah. I don't want to, I'm Mostly I'm just worried about spoilers. So I think I'll want to go and see that as early as I can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I got to get the kids out to it. They want, they're excited for it. And just as, as I am, I was telling somebody at work the other day that Avengers Endgame is one of the most important things in my life right now, because I'm so excited <laughs> about it. That's good to know. That's I know. Good to know. It's very exciting. In okay. anticipation, you should watch all of the MCU movies between now and then. Well, I leave you've that. Got a, you've got a week. Yeah. I leave that kind of thing up to you. And you were successful. Well, that's done. I have to go see, uh, which means I have to go see uh, Captain Marvel again. Are you actually going to? I, I might because I'm, you know, I'm right up to that point, right? right. So the next movie in the uh, in 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 the chain for me is Captain Marvel before I go see Endgame. So I might. Well, you know, the only one I haven't seen is Doctor Strange, so I should probably watch that one before you I should watch Endgame. Doctor Strange. You sh- you need the backstory for what the fuck is going on from the last movie that you saw. Well, I, I know, I don't really feel like I missed out on anything, but I've heard it's good too from it's you a good movie. and from other people. So I'll put, I'll throw that one in before I go. It's got Beyonce. Really? Well, it doesn't, it in the soundtrack. Oh. But it becomes part of the story. Like it's not just playing in the background. Oh, I see. Well, now so, I really want to see it. Yeah, you absolutely should. All right. Okay, and so, it's got Wong. It's got Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, and it's got Wong, and his name is uh, Benedict Wong, and he called him. They called his character Wong. So they got two Benedicts in the same movie. What are the chances? Yeah, <laughs> pretty low. <laughs> All right, that's what we're going to do over the next little while. Let's get to what we're going to do right now, and it is going to start with the Walking Dead news. Cool. The Walking Dead News. All right, Jason, you know, and I know, and everybody knows at this point that The Walking Dead's ratings have been in decline for some time, uh, or or they declined a lot and now they've kind of leveled out a little bit, but they're low, and the season nine finale was the lowest of all time, so you would think that would make people unhappy, but... That apparently isn't the case because, uh, according to, uh, you know, a lot of articles on the internet, AMC is rather unfazed by the Walking Dead's rating decline. Okay. And Sarah Barnett, president of AMC's entertainment networks, uh, group said this, our decline has really mirrored the declines across basic cable. We just had higher to fall from. The fact that we are still the number one show by a margin of two to one is quite something. One of the things that I take such encouragement from is the fact that our ratings are pretty stabilized. We did see declines at the beginning of season nine, but through all of the back half of this season, 
we are seeing the kind of stability that we've never really seen in this property before. We believe that we've hit a core and that if that core sits around the numbers it is, it will continue to be a complete phenomenon in cable TV in 2019. Nice. Let's get the marketing people involved to talk about the ratings. And this is the kind of spin that they would put on it. I guess so. Uh, that it's that sure it's down, but the whole industry is down and and that it's sort of stabilized. And now we have a core audience that is watching and dedicated to the show and they're not going anywhere is what she's trying to say. It sounds like. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's a great spin. I mean, it, it kind of goes along with what we've been saying uh, in that, uh, yeah, the whole industry, the, 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 the ratings are down because mm-hmm. people are watching TV and watching, getting their content other places. And everybody, everybody is starting a streaming service now. So it's going to be like, fucking networks all over again. Yeah. If you subscribe to this network, it's like, oh, but I want this show, so I got to go to this network. And it's just like, just consolidate. Well, they can't do that either because then it would be a monopoly and nobody wants that. No, I guess not. But you're right. I just signed up for a new streaming service uh, in order to watch Game of Thrones. So Me too. I just signed up last night. Yeah, <laughs> which means you were a day late for the premiere. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, it's still there. I know, but it's just funny. You were a day late. Uh, I signed up Sunday morning so I could watch it live Sunday night. Nice. Well, we're ready for next week. We've seen the episode, you know, and I didn't get spoiled by it, by you know being a day late on the episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I signed up. It just We didn't have the right device. And because of a, a a breakdown in a device in our household, we had to get a new device. So then I was able to sign up to watch Game of Thrones. Great. It all kind of uh, congealed magically. That's exciting. I'm glad. I'm happy for some you. Some kind of uh, weird technological hot dog. Ooh, sounds delicious. Yeah, because it's just, it's congealed liquid meat. Oh, no longer sounds delicious. <laughs> hot dogs are gross. Yeah, but hot yet, dogs are delicious. Gross. That's funny how that works. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's what uh, AMC is saying about the decline in ratings. Uh, to contrast all that, season nine has um, some of the highest critical acclaim that the show has ever seen. So yeah. the, the show's not bad. It's just, you know, the industry has declined and less people are watching it. So. Well, at least the network is still behind it. I mean, we've seen shows that have had uh, uh, ratings issues and uh, are critically acclaimed, but the network is a stupid idiot and the show gets friggin' canceled after one season. I don't want to name names, Fox, but uh, Serenity (laughs) was a good show. And you fucked it up. Except that it was called Firefly, but I, we, people know so, what Yeah, I mean. Firefly. Yeah, sorry. Thank you for correcting me on that because uh, we, we would have gotten emails. Oh, many, <laughs> many, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we've probably been overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's, that's it for, you know, ratings. They are what they are and AMC seems to be happy or at least that's what they're telling us. Good. Our next item is really the big news for the last couple of weeks, and that is that AMC officially announced that they are launching a third Walking Dead TV show. Really? We've got an announcement? That means it's probably going to happen, what, next year? Next summer? Yeah, well, here's the main quote from uh, AMC, and I took this from the Entertainment Weekly article. Quote, AMC has announced it is greenlighting a third scripted series set in the world of The Walking Dead. 
According to the network, the series will feature two young female protagonists and focus on the first generation to come of age in the apocalypse as we know it. Some will become heroes, some will become villains. In the end, all of them will be changed forever. Grown up and cemented in their identities, both good and bad. So this is this is kind of interesting, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, to have some people who maybe were born in the apocalypse. And I know we have some of those uh, on the main show. Well, we are the coming of age. I mean, uh, right. Lydia, I'm thinking Lydia's age, right? She was 10 when the, uh, the apocalypse happened. And now it's a number of years later and she's 17 kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, 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 that's the kind of age. I'm not thinking Judith's age, right? We're not going to have a bunch of uh, munchkins running around with, with handguns and assault rifles and bows and arrows and whatever. Uh, we're going to have people that are, Late teens, early 20s. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit you're probably right. I was thinking that maybe this show takes place in the, in the near future a little bit and they could have been born post-apocalypse and now they're like 20 years old or something like that. Well, they can't mess with time. They'd be... They'd well, be, it, you, you, well, it would confuse people. It would confuse me. Yeah, but the I mean, this show technically has nothing to do with the other two shows until they decide to cross them over. But yeah, until Lenny James goes on the show. Right, exactly. For for now, though, it could go that way. But I think you're probably right in that these are people who were, you know, eight, nine, ten years old at the time of the apocalypse and are now late teens, possibly early 20s, that kind of thing. So you're right, really became adults post zombie apocalypse. Uh, have we talked about this time jump in Fear of the Walking Dead and how they're going to handle it? We haven't talked about that. What do you mean? Well, we've had a, a significant time jump this season in The Walking Dead. Are we going to get a time jump in Fear of the Walking Dead? Oh. If not, they're definitely going to be out of sync, right? Uh, they are definitely going to be out of sync. The other thing we know is that Dwight has transitioned over to Fear the Walking Dead. So Dwight took off six years ago, right? Yep. So Fear the Walking Dead is... Take well, unless we have Dwight and everybody six years older, but I don't think they can get away with that that easily. Uh, so I think we are going to have Fear the Walking Dead now six years behind the main show, at least to start season five. Well, they better get rid of the idea that Lenny wants to go. Uh, not Lenny. Uh, Morgan? Morgan wants to go back to uh, Alexandria because we just simply know that's not going to happen. Well, at this point, yeah. He, at this point. Anyway, we can talk about that later. That's more of a Fear of the Walking Dead thing that just occurred to me, how they're going to handle that. Right. The point is, we have a new show which has a couple of female protagonists that come of age, and then some of them become good, and some of them become evil. Right. People, it's kind of a weird phraseology where we have two protagonists, or two people, and they're, then they're talking about some of them. And I don't know who, do they mean one of them? Yeah. <laughs> becomes good and the other one becomes evil? And are they both multiple personalities? Uh, no, I think probably what they're going for here is just sort of what you've described. We have two main characters who probably start off as friends. And I bet you the central tension going through the first season of this show will be their differing approaches to how to handle themselves in the zombie apocalypse. One will try to want to be good and the other will try to be evil, you know, whatever those two words mean in this uh, scenario. Right. Okay. That makes sense. You know, will they be twins? They should be twins. They should right? probably be identical twins just to make it that much more difficult uh, to fraternal. tell them apart. 
I wouldn't go identical. It's hard because you either have to cast one person to play both roles or you have to find twins. So fraternal would be better. Well, maybe, but maybe uh, just sisters. Let's just go with sisters. Fuck it. Think like, of why, think of why the twins. Think of the misunderstandings that could they could get into if they were identical twins. They're, That's true. They could swap. They could, they, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you could do there. Possibilities are limitless. Really? Yeah. Maybe they're clones of each other. Yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> Zombies introduce clones. The aliens are on their way. No, no, we've already got cloning. Oh yeah, got, that's uh, right. Enid was cloned, so uh, we got we got cloning already. So that's fine. So that works. Okay. Well, this show is technically created by Scott Gimple and Matt Negrete, who will become the showrunner. He's also, you know, worked on The Walking Dead for some time now, so he's splintering off to do this new show. There will be 10 episodes in season one, and they will begin production this summer in Virginia, of all places, for a premiere sometime in 2020. There you go. Yeah. Can we guess the name? What Did, did they announce the name? No, they did not. So, yes, indeed, for now, we can guess the name if you've got some guesses. Well, you know, Rage the Walking Dead, <laughs> angry, angry the Walking Dead. Like we got Fear the Walking. That's a dumb name, right? Fear the Walking Dead. I mean, at this point, I'm used to it. But yeah, when I was first announced, I thought it was a little bit dumb. It's like the Beatles. Beat, beat your drum, Beatles. It's a dumb name. No, it's a Foo great, Fighters. That's, that's a, a dumb name. Foo Fighters, dumb name. Uh, Beatles, great name. Soundgarden, one of the best band names of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they're all dumb names. You recognize that. I was I was in a band once for uh, for about a day and a half. We were named Half Eaten Horse, which I think is a great name, personally. Well, I think uh, I think most of the universe probably has a slightly different perspective on what makes a good band name than you. <laughs> yeah, we were, it was also in a band called The Dog's Toothbrush and uh, Santa's Bag. Santa's Bag. Nothing wrong with that name. Yeah, it, too bad it only comes once a year. Oh please. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what do you think about them shooting in Virginia? They're moving out of Atlanta, or sorry, Georgia. Now, Fear the Walking Dead did that as well. But they're moving into Virginia, which is technically the setting for The Walking Dead currently, uh, more or less. So I wonder if they're going up there. No, but they're going to be, you know, doing production during the summer. So it's not like they're going up there to get some real winter. Um, So I guess that's just where they're doing this show. I have no opinion on that. I don't know much about Virginia. No, I'm sure it's a nice place. I'm sure it absolutely is, but I've not uh, I've not spent a lot of time in a lot of different states uh, around the U.S., so I don't know anything about Virginia. All right. Well, that is what it is. One more thing here from Scott Gimple about this show. He said, showing audiences an unseen pocket of the Walking Dead universe steeped in a new mythology is a very cool way to celebrate a decade of the dead on TV and over 15 years of Robert Kirkman's brilliant comic. Yeah. New mythology. New mythology. That's That's awesome. We're going to have clones and dinosaurs and liches and vampires and all kinds of stuff and maybe the odd skeleton yeah walking skeleton <laughs> right. uh, mummy kind of has basically those. a zombie what, what's the difference between a mummy and a zombie one's from ancient egypt one's been mummified previous, previously i guess so yeah all their organs removed and dried out sounds right to me okay <laughs> there you go so a third walking dead tv show I have yet to decide on 
how this podcast is going to handle that. <laughs> but we might not. We might not be able to handle it, Chris. We might not. Yeah. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens because, you know, we do cover two shows for now. A third would be, would be too much. So we'll have to figure something out. Yeah. All right. One more item here. And that is that Michael Cudlitz, you remember him. He played Abraham on the show. Mm -hmm. And Andrew Lincoln, you remember him. He played Rick on the show. Yep. With his penis out early in his career. Yeah. Yeah, Got it. Both of those guys are coming back to The Walking Dead. (sighs) Well, we knew. Wait. No. We, well, how, how the hell is that going to happen? I, Rick, I kind of understand. I'm disappointed that they're going to bring him back. They're just bringing him back for a cameo, right? I assume. But Michael Cutlets? Yeah, Michael Cutlets. How are we going to do that? I'm just kind of was just hoping to sit here and kind of let you process this for a second. <laughs> and so far, it's going really well. <laughs> <laughs> how the hell? They can't, unless they do a flashback. But if they do that, then we got... Friggin' Eugene in two different timelines. You can't dual timeline Eugene. Well, maybe if you, if, if anybody, he might work. Well, he's got to have two different haircuts and how are they going to do that? Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the deal, Jason. Michael Cudlitz and Andrew Lincoln are both returning to The Walking Dead in season 10 as directors. <sighs> okay. That makes sense. We've, haven't we had Michael Cudlitz uh, direct this episode already? That's correct. He direct he directed one of the episodes in season nine. I guess I guess he liked it so much he's decided to come back and do another one in ten. Andrew Lincoln, though, will be this will be his first time directing this show. Nice. I did not go and check if he has any other previous directing credits, but I have a feeling he does not. Now this has been officially announced. Michael Cudlitz will be directing season ten, episode three. And Lincoln will be doing an undetermined episode for now. We don't know yet, but he was spotted on the set during filming of season nine. And for five seconds, everybody freaked out thinking, what the hell is he doing there? Turns out he was shadowing the director of whatever episode he, they were working on at the time to sort of get some tips, learn some things and uh, just, you know, be around his walking dead family a little bit more, I think. And now he's coming back in season 10 to sit in the director's chair and be behind the camera for once. That's great. I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, it's nice to, it's nice to have actors come in, uh, you know, try out their directing chops, uh, on a TV show because, you know, they might like it and then, uh, go on to direct awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, you know, more episodes, different TV shows, movies, what have you, video games, do they direct video games? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Video games have directors these days for sure. Yeah. So, that's all great to hear. I'm a little mad that you were just fucking with me there. Well, I mean, I wasn't really. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't plan to do that. But as soon as I started <laughs> saying that they're going to return, I'm like, I'll just withhold that one little bit and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're kind of making fun of me. But I'm that's okay. sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make fun of you. I didn't mean to make that, fun of you. It's all right. I, well, I just I couldn't wrap my brain around how we're going to get uh, Abraham back. We, You know, not in the show itself. I mean, I could think of different ways to bring him back. Uh, yeah. Cloning being one, right? If anyone could think of ways to bring characters back. They already had them cloned, right? Yeah. And the clone became a lich and the lich is now, uh, managing the zombie horde that the, uh, the whisperers think that they're in charge of. Right. And somehow shape-shifting into the actual appearance of Abraham. Can liches do that? I don't know. I'm sure that 
why would he? It would still be. Uh, it would still be Abraham. It would just be Abraham, the lich Abraham. Oh, I see. I get it. It's just he's just a lich. That's all. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I look forward to this. Uh, it'll be fun to see these episodes in season ten. You know, helmed by Angela Kang, directed by Cudlitz Lincoln, probably a bunch by Nicotero and all the other um, amazing directors that they've had work on this show. So there's certainly no shortage of talent behind the camera these days on The Walking Dead, which is great. Right. And of course, Enid would be the one to go back in time and clone Abraham so that he could become Lich, right? Naturally, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you should write a spec script for this show <laughs> and send it in and be like, guys, I've got everything figured out. Do <laughs> this. Figure it figured out. Yeah. All you need is dinosaurs, a Lich, aliens, uh, and time travel. <laughs> right. and cloning. That's, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you got zombies already, but that's not enough. Yeah. First of all, Enid goes back in time for some reason. <laughs> well, that's the reason you have to figure out. Yeah. All right. That's it for the news. Now we're going to do more feedback about season nine, mostly uh, about the finale. Here we go. Listener feedback. Okay. Our first email comes from longtime listener, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. And Matt writes, statement A, quote, how could the Whisperers possibly survive winter outdoors? This is going to be ridiculous, end quote. Statement B, quote, so the Whisperers went south to get away from the harsh outdoor winter. This is ridiculous, end quote. I know that consistency is a refuge of the weak-minded, but come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he calls us out, rightfully so, that we kind of ridiculed both outcomes here that there you know we thought it was dumb if they stayed living the way they do in a cold harsh winter and then we thought it was dumb that they packed up and left and went on vacation to get away from the cold harsh winter so which is it jason it's both i don't see the problem with this they don't they aren't mutually exclusive they're both ridiculous i agree with you it's both it is indeed both uh and the the problem is more or the, let's say the problem is not that sort of both happened, but the problem is more that uh, the, the way it happened and the way that we were presented with, um, with this threat to our main characters that yep. wasn't actually a threat at all. And that seemingly will have no impact on the plot line of the show at all. And what I mean by that is, they were afraid to go through their territory because they thought they were there and that would get them in trouble. They ended up making that decision, which was presented to us as a very difficult, important and perilous decision to make. However, it seems to have no impact because, oh, the whisperers weren't there anyways. They went south for the winter. So that's kind of the ridiculous part. Not so much that the whisperers had left. That's the way I see it. The way I see it is that, okay, so statement A, how could they survive the winters outdoors, winter outdoors? They couldn't, is the answer, obviously. Uh, and statement B, so the Whispers went south for the, uh, for the harsh, they went south because they didn't uh, want to spend the winter in the snow. Uh, that in itself, I agree with you, that in itself is not ridiculous. That makes perfect sense. But why in the hell would they be worried about territory if they were so nomadic? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's just the other like part. like why mark the territory? Why spend the time to say this is the territory? Go out of your way to murder a bunch of people, put their heads on the pikes, and to make such an, a statement of do not cross this line because this is our territory and we're going to defend it, uh, you know, with tooth and nail with our zombie horde, and then leave. Are they just? I mean, it kind of makes sense if they're just fucking with them. You know, if, if the whispers are just fucking with our heroes, uh, you know, let's, I don't, like, I got a good idea. Let's pretend we're really worried about this border and we're going to kill a bunch of people. No, stay with me. Stay with me. We're going to kill a bunch of people, put their heads on pikes to really upset them and make them afraid that they shouldn't cross this line of sticks. Then we're going to leave. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? That would be so funny, guys. Let's do that. <laughs> They're just practical jokers is all. Yeah. They shouldn't be called the whispers. They should be called the jokers. Yeah. That'd be fine. Something like that. Uh, anyways, I think there are numerous ways to look at this. Uh, there are ridiculous elements to the whole thing, and there are less ridiculous elements to all of it. Um. And I think you're right. I think I'm right. And I think Matt's right as well. So it's funny how yeah, that all works out. There's room for everybody to be right. There really you know, is. The The whisperers are ridiculous if they do this. They're ridiculous if they do that. We're ridiculous if we call them ridiculous because it's all ridiculous. Sitting here talking about it for this many hours is a little bit ridiculous, but we do it anyway. It, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> all all right. right. Next, we have a call from Scott. Yeah, Scott. And now I just want to say that Scott's call was over six minutes long, which is amazing, but a bit long to play all of it. So I, I appreciate the call, Scott, but I cut you down here just for a bit of time. Um, and uh, this is what it ended up with. So here we go. Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Scott from Arkansas. I've got some feedback for you for this uh, recent episode, episode 16, The Storm. You know, I actually really enjoyed the episode. Uh, that is until I listened to your podcast about it, and then I started not enjoying it so much. But after that, I went back and I rewatched the episode. And you know what? By golly, I'm going to stick to my guns. I, I know it's got some problems, but I do still like the episode. The whisper of migration didn't bother me because, as we've already established, uh, you guys have mentioned like a uh, show, uh, episode or two back that if they live like animals. You know, what do they do, like, in extreme situations, in extreme weather? You know, they're going to they're gonna freeze to death because they may act like animals, but they're still human. They can't really burrow. They can't uh, hibernate. So what do they do? They migrate. Now, as far as having the border set up, the whispers are going to come back. They migrate south when it's winter, but they come back to their grounds. They're obviously not going to tell our heroes, hey, this is our border here. This is our land. You can't come here. Except for in the wintertime, whenever we hike, hike down south, then y'all can go. But when we come back, you better be gone. Obviously, they're not going to let you know let them know their secret that they're going to migrate south. And it's all a head game. It's psychological anyway. My last thing i got to say is, Jason, I loved uh, how you helped me out with my rendition of Riders on the Storm. Man, you can jam with me anytime. That was awesome. Guys, I love y'all. I love the podcast. Um, I hope you come back and do some podcasts on some movies between now and Fear the Walking Dead because I'm going to miss getting my twice-a-week uh, fix of the podcast because y'all do such a great job. So I love it. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. I hope you were listening at the beginning because we talked about what we're going to do over the next little while. Uh, yep. So we will be around. And yes, Scott sent in his title read as an excerpt of him playing guitar and doing Riders on the Storm a few weeks ago. 
Uh, And you whispered along to him. So that was amazing. And then the whole whisper migration, you know, as it relates to what we were talking about with Matt's email before too, they're like animals. So they migrate like animals. And uh, that in a way makes sense on that level alone. And of course, as Scott said, you know, they're, they're not just going to turn around and be like, you can't come here except we'll be gone for four months and then don't worry about it. You know, you can go through while we're not there. That would be also ridiculous. It would, but why come back? Yeah. Right. I mean, the world's pretty empty now, right? It's not like they're going to be encroaching on somebody else's territory when they go south for a while. Go south where it's nice and warm. Freaking stay there. And stay Jesus, during the winter here, I think about that sometimes, too. <laughs> Go south. I mean, it's nice here in the summer, too. It's beautiful here in the summer. But in January, when it's minus 30 Celsius, I think yeah, about going south. somewhere, somewhere south, that'd be nice. But, you know, I, w- I, I would come back. I like it here in the summer. Yeah. Right? The, one of the weirdest things about being in a, an extremely warm climate, like around the equator... Uh, is that it's really hot, and then the sun friggin' goes down at like 6.30 at night. Well, it comes it's, up. At- it's weird. It comes up at 6.30 in the morning, and then it goes down at 6.30 at night. So it's like uh, being in like 30-degree weather uh, at 8 o'clock at night, and it being completely dark is disconcerting Well, for me. Well, for you, you get used to it, though, you know? Humans adapt pretty well to things like that. So yeah, I, so I like it that the sun stays up till ten o'clock at night yeah. in the summer. I, it's nice. I know. I I like that too. Uh, but I've been to places close to the equator, and the consistency of sunrise and sunset is also nice. And I think that is something I could get used to if I stayed there long enough. Yeah. So okay. So you would stay down there. You go south and stay there. And I would go south and then come back. But, you know, if there was some shit going on, I don't think I'd worry about it too much. I'd come. There's lots of north to come to. You don't have to come back here just because you know where the dirt is that you like to rut around in to make yourself perfectly dirty, Alpha, uh, on, a, on a regular basis. So, I don't know. It just it seems it seems weird, but they're weird in general. So, who can say? Whole thing's a little weird. All right. Thank you, Scott, for that call. Next up is uh, Amy in Indianapolis. And Amy says, I tried to convince myself the walkers were a worthy adversary early on by crediting them with hiding and menacing for years to stave off the feeling of ho-hum, here we go again. Same shit, different villain. But God damn it, the whisperers make no sense. If they're nomads with no roots, why would they be territorial? And if they're territorial, then why the fuck are they homeless? Either you value sheltering in place or you wander free. Pick one and stick with it. There you go. I think that pretty much says it all. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. All right. So that, yeah, that pretty much says it all. It's, uh, you can't, you can't win. We're going to pick on the whispers no matter what they do. That's basically what's happening here. I feel like that might be the uh, thing, but you know, now we have all summer to kind of let it settle in. And I uh, look forward to something new when season 10 begins next October, when maybe the whispers will all suddenly make sense. Maybe, but their motivations don't ring true to me. Like just in, in general, like they, they say we're animals. We don't have uh, these, you know, familial ties that uh, you think we should have. Uh, we don't want to put down roots. Yeah. Yet they do 
inconsistent things about that within the within the one season. They go after Lydia. They are territorial, but nomadic. Uh, it, it, it just really doesn't make any sense to me. Their motivations don't make any sense. All right. Well, what I'm saying is over the summer, maybe it'll all kind of settle down and come season 10, they'll have figured it out and everything will start to fall into place. We'll, we'll find out. I sure hope so. Good. All right. Next, we have a call from Michael. Hey guys, this is Michael from Brooklyn, New York. And I just had a comment about, uh, the scene with Alpha and Beta in the woods um, at the end of the storm, it seemed really out of place, and it didn't seem to fit the episode. It seemed like it was a scene that was filmed for the previous episode, yet they still wanted to include it somewhere, so they just threw it in at the end of this one. It didn't seem like winter. They had the same clothing on. It just didn't fit. And I think they just wanted to include something with the Whisperers, but it just didn't translate very well. But yeah, I just know you guys had mentioned that you thought that they had left the area possibly, or she left the area. And I don't think that was the case. I think it was supposed to be right after the Pike scene. And they just put it in the episode. I don't know. It just didn't fit. But anyway, hope this makes sense. Sorry for rambling. Uh, all right. Later. Thanks, Michael. So I, it's it's a known fact that the intention of the show was that the Whisperers did leave and go somewhere uh, warmer to avoid winter. But I can sort of see his point about how it doesn't really fit right in the episode. And it got me thinking, would it have been better so to speak if it if they had just left that out and they had let us believe that maybe the whispers were indeed still around the area during the winter and it actually was a huge risk for our crew to cross that river and go through their land like why tell us that the whispers had effed off to the south and weren't even around anyways after building up what you know that after building up so much how much of a risk it is to go through their land i feel like that might have worked a little bit better even if we find out later season 10 that they weren't around at that time i think the reason they included it in this uh episode and right at the end of this episode is for the line are you ready for what comes next that's that ominous they're going to do something else that's going to fuck with our protagonists. I guess. And we don't know what that is. You know, I, I guess that's probably very true. It's it's a setup for, for next season. Um, yeah. Would it have worked if they'd put that in the calm before, the episode before the finale, the Pike episode? No, because then they would have had to have what comes next in the next episode. Right. This way they can wait a you know, till next season until, oh my, what's going to come next? Hmm. They got a plan and it involves whipping your arm and making, were there marks on the arm or was that just leaving dirt on her arm? It's hard to tell. I, I think there were wounds from the whip. Uh, yeah, you'd think so, but she's pretty dirty and she likes being dirty. So maybe this was the way to make her dirty. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> she, she whips the dirt onto herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got, yeah. You know, if you're going to be stylish about your dirt, you might as well be ritualistic about it too. 
Sure. I don't see why not. Anyways, it is a good, an interesting point, good and interesting point from Michael that uh, it doesn't really feel like it fit in the episode. After talking about it, I don't know that it would have fit in the one before either. So what do they do? They had to put it in there somehow um, or go with what I think and maybe just leave it out altogether. Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that they need or they wanted that line to be in there to kind of remind us that something is going to happen, but I'm not yeah, sure. They needed it. I don't know. I'm not sure it added that much, to be honest. I feel like the tense um, or the tension created by not knowing whether the whispers were around or not would have been uh, even more or, or even better, you know? So I don't know because they did go into the whispers territory and they did come out of the whispers territory with no interaction with the whispers. That would have been confusing. Confusing like, maybe. Yeah. Confusing maybe, but at least while they were in there, they could have played up the fact that they're afraid and we don't know and they don't know what's going on. Right. Um, I guess the characters didn't, but the audience did and I'm not sure it worked perfectly. Well, I don't think it saves the episode as far as a finale goes, but I think it was there in order to be a finale episode. Uh, and, and that's basically the only way I can describe it. Um, it, it was a crappy finale in my opinion, because, yeah. uh, it, it didn't do what a finale is supposed to do, which is close off the storyline from the season, uh, either morally or, uh, physically and it doesn't set up the uh, the next season so they had to include this one thing in order to set up the next season or at least give you a sense of uh, dread for what is going to happen uh, i think it was put in to try and make this a finale episode and it didn't work fully yeah i agree with you when you when you put it like that it certainly didn't save the episode and so that's that's a big problem um i feel like this episode was all about doing winter, doing the snowstorm. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. And to be honest, we're never going to see snow on the show again. <laughs> no. Right? Not. Like it's the been there, done that, frozen zombies, yada, yada, yada. They walked through the snow for a while and got to where they're going. Exactly. And, you know, even by the end of the episode, like the snow had stopped and was gone. So, and abandoned all their horses to die. Right, so now they're going to need to find and or breed new horses somehow. Bastards. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways, um, that's the thing. They, I think the whole point here was to do the snow, do the winter, and now they can say they've done it, and we're going to move on. So, Yeah. All right, Todd in the Twin Cities wrote in and said, Did you see the symmetry between the way the season began and ended with our heroes making risky crossings? In episode one, Rick and company trying to get the wagon across the glass surface of the museum as it cracked and as Ezekiel fell through into the basement. Episode 16, Ezekiel and company tried to get the kingdom's survivors across the frozen river where the surface didn't break, but Ezekiel and the other heroes had to fight off submerged walkers. Fun. I didn't realize that. No, I, it didn't occur to me either, but I think it's an interesting point that they do sort of. It is bookend each other or match uh, each other in a symmetrical way. Does. Good uh, good thinking, Michael. Kind of fun. Or Todd, sorry. Todd, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I was... Anyway, it's because my notes are confusing. Fair enough. Thanks, Todd. Sorry, Todd. All right. Next, we have a call from Lexa. 
Hey, Chris and Jason, it's Lexa. I wanted to send some feedback about the season finale. It was pretty low key, uh, which was fine because it set us up nicely for next season, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, The first is I was very pissed off with Lydia's multiple attempts to off herself throughout this episode. Um, As a mother of three, it was really um, hard for me to watch another mother um, struggling the way that that Carol was. And then Lydia's character, to me, um, her continuing to try and end herself uh, was just disrespectful to Henry's sacrifice. Um, So in that barn, uh, when Carol ultimately kind of gave her hand and and basically sees someone else who's hurting and Lydia and reaches out to her, I thought that was great, but gosh, part of me wanted her to give her a hard slap. (laughs) Um, And then second is you had best believe that every single one of those zombies that they encountered as they were traveling through Alpha's territory was strategically placed by their whisperers. And Michonne makes the comment, um, they're not out in this, not, they're not out, not in this. And I thought, well, no, but they're going to know if you are because, uh, as you guys cut down these zombies, you're basically leaving a trail of dead crumbs that lets them know exactly how you traveled through their area. And that is for sure going to be a problem next season. So we'll see. Okay, you guys will be missed during the off season. Take care. Bye. Thank you very much, Alexa. Um, that's an idea that's come up before, too, that the, the zombies that were sort of propped around the Whisperers territory were basically markers to find out you know, if they're either gone and or chopped in half when they get back, um, that'll indicate that they were, uh, you know, tampered with and that might mean somebody was there. So that's like when you put a hair on the outside of your door to know if somebody comes in. Yeah, that's right. Only (laughs) just more of a putting a cactus on your doorstep to see if anybody steps on it or cuts it in half. Cuts it in half. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Because <laughs> they're sharp, they're pointy, right? They're cactuses, so you don't want to accidentally step on one. So when you go to break into somebody's house and they have a cactus on their front doorstep, you cut it in half. That's what you do. That's what I do every time I find a cactus. Yeah. Yeah. And on somebody's doorstep. Not every time you see a cactus, because that'd be no, that'd no. Be bad. Because yeah. if you're walking through the desert and they know those big cactuses, those are quite illegal to cut down. Are they? Protected plants? Yeah, because they take fuck a long time to grow mm. well that's you don't want to just chop them down willy-nilly then yeah so but uh dead crumbs that's funny <laughs> that is funny <laughs> i like that i like that whole idea yeah um any 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 comments on the sort sort of lydia carroll stuff there about how it uh it was just sort of disrespectful to henry's memory and well, and it is, like but it's also hard to, uh, it's hard to judge people that are in such a, uh, uh, you know, a mentally, uh, unstable state where they want to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to, to judge them for their reasonability of wanting to kill themselves, how it's disrespectful to other people or how it doesn't make any sense. You no, know, it doesn't make any sense. They want to kill themselves. That's, you know, by definition, uh, uh, an, an, an act that's uh, not reasonable. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to judge. Yeah, I agree with but that. But I'm glad I'm glad Carol reached out and uh, no, didn't just let her die this time. She was going to before, like she just said. She just was looking at going. Yeah, I should probably save her, but I don't wanna. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Nice. She 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 didn't say anything that first time. Uh, the difference was in the in the barn. Um, Lydia was asking her to 
do it. She was asking Carol to do it, right? To right. murder her. So a little bit different, but uh, I'm glad too that, that Carol reached out and offered to help her rather than anything. Um, but as uh, Alexa said, you know, maybe a, a good smack might have helped, <laughs> which is not right. something I'm condoning in real life in any way. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, and it probably wouldn't do any good anyway, right? No, I mean, sure, not. it would make you feel good, but it's not going to get them to snap out of it. No, that only works in movies. So might have worked yeah. here too. And Gilligan's Island, you know, when you get a knock on the head and you get amnesia, the only way to make it better is to get another knock on the head. It causes the amnesia and yeah. it solves it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's how your brain works. Of course. I <laughs> learned anything from TV. Yeah. Okay. Elizabeth in Newcastle, UK writes, I have to admit, I was also disappointed in the season finale. I see what they were going for, having the penultimate episode be the big deal, then the last episode be about the fallout from that. But I think the main problem here was that there wasn't much about this episode that was a direct consequence of what happened in the penultimate episode. The kingdom isn't being abandoned in reaction to the Whisperers and their actions. The storm obviously didn't happen because of that either. And we don't see things that should have happened as a consequence, like figuring out who takes charge at Hilltop. And the whole point of what the Whisperers did, mark their territory, is negated when our heroes cross into the territory because uh, beyond the Pike border marker and nothing happens. So really, it's not only failed to follow up, it's kind of undercut what happened last time. Good. Very well put. Good summary. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to say earlier, that... Uh, it just doesn't follow, right? You don't build yeah. something up to have it not kind of pay off. So there you go. Yeah. I think, Elizabeth, that you should submit this to IMDb as the show summary for that episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, encourage lots more people to watch it. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. I think that's the best thing, best thing to do. Perfect. All right. Next, we have an email from Justine in NorCal. Uh, Justine writes, I feel very differently than Jason regarding whether Negan should be allowed to talk to Judith. First of all, they are surviving in a completely collapsed society. He's not just some creepy neighbor hanging with a young girl who lives across the street. Negan is a very flawed man for sure, but I see him as having a genuine affection for an orphan girl, and that affection should be encouraged for both their sakes, both their sakes, but especially for her. She has never met her mother, nor her father, if you believe that Shane's, uh, she is Shane's baby, and then lost her half-brother and the man she knew as her father. Plus, she could lose the woman she knows as her mother at any moment. So having a very capable adult who has proven he knows how to survive in a world, care about this child enough to protect her is exactly what she needs. And for him, having Judith to care about is exactly what he needs to nurture whatever decency he still has in him and prove that Rick was right to spare his life. So it's not creepy and weird. It's uh, it's an important relationship between uh, a capable survivor and a young girl who needs a um, parental figure, uh, and and it it extends beyond that even to uh, you know promote the ideas that our main protagonist for eight and a half years was was pushing. Um, do do you buy into any of that? He's uh, he's a homicidal maniac, and he's allowed to have a personal relationship with an eleven-year-old girl, without the consent of her uh, her guardian. You also make a compelling point. 
I mean, sure, he might help her to survive, but he's a homicidal maniac. And yes, that might be a survival skill this day and age, but it's not what not something you want to encourage in your kids. Uh, yeah. I mean, are any of our characters not homicidal maniacs in, you know, a little way now that they're here in the zombie apocalypse? Well, there's a difference between, well, yeah, it's, it's nuanced and I'll, I'll give you that, uh, you know, doing what needs to be done in order to, uh, ensure the survival of yourself, your family and your loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, Negan's a little extreme. hundred percent. A little extreme, yeah. Right. There's a difference between, uh, I don't know if I can articulate the exact difference, but there seems to be a moral difference between Negan and Michonne. Michonne is quite capable of killing everybody within reach of her sword at any given time. And she has proven that she can and does and will do that in order to ensure the survival. What Negan does is uses a weapon that also adds to his reach and kills people that are on their knees in order to prove a point to the other people around that he's the boss and he needs to be listened to. Uh, I, I can't articulate that. Well, <laughs> well I think you did. Um, <laughs> and, and you're right. I mean, Michonne doesn't revel in it, whereas Negan does to a degree. And you can tell that when he does it. So yeah, he might say that he's doing it out of the necessity of survival, but everybody knows that's bullshit. At least partly. Yeah. A hundred percent. So letting your 11 year old girl have a personal relationship with this guy, uh, not even letting like unknowingly, she's having this personal relationship with this guy and he, him telling her about his murders. Like she knows that he killed Abraham mm-hmm. and Glenn. Yeah. He's talked about it to her. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a way to justify this Yeah, in I, my mind. I hear you. I think the show is going to continue pushing the idea, though, to be honest, a little bit. I think we're going to get more of the Negan-Judith relationship. And I think, I have a feeling they're going to try hard to make us buy into that somehow. So I yeah. think that is um, an uphill battle for the show, for most people. Um, maybe not Justine and NorCal, but we'll have to see what happens. I think it's going to be tough to convince people that, uh, that Negan is indeed a good guy. Yeah. But then again, they're also taking an 11 year old girl and handing her a loaded revolver and a, uh, a short sword, a wakasashi and, uh, sending her on her way, you know, go out there. Good. Have good luck and, uh, try not to shoot yourself in the face. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hoping she got more training than just that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. But you know, it's, uh, I guess I, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking is that yes, this absolutely is a different society than the one we live in. And in the one we live in, you don't give a girl of Judas age, a loaded handgun or a real sword and let them go out into the dangerous wilds, nor do you let them, uh, hang out with a homicidal prisoner, uh, who likes to regale her with stories of his murders. Those are two things you typically wouldn't do in current society. That's very true. Yeah. And where you draw the line, I guess that's the, one of the points of the show is that, uh, this line that we have for our morality is blurred. 
Mm-hmm. You know, come to think of it, and I sort of said this earlier, I have a feeling that that may be one of the main themes of this new third Walking Dead show they're doing, right? With with right. Uh, young protagonists who have come of age, and some become villains and some become heroes. Uh, or whatever, you know, the opposite of villain is. I guess hero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, and and how you? I hope they don't. That. They don't really point out. Like, obviously, us, you and me, and our listeners, we live in a society that is not like The Walking Dead, right? Where we have a different set of moral standards that we live by, try to live by. Uh, so in the sh- in this new spinoff show that they're going to have, that where uh, some become heroes, some become villains. What I'm hoping right now, and it just, this just occurred to me because I didn't know about this show before we started podcasting today. Uh, what I'm hoping right now is that you and I can't tell which one is the villain and which one is the hero. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Or, or I don't know which one is right. Sure. And it's left ambiguous or and you have to make up your own mind on it, right? Yeah. So you'll have a camp of people who go one way and a camp of viewers who go the other way. You're absolutely so right. That'd, that, that'd be a great debate. That'll be very exciting. I look forward to that. I hope I hope that's what they do. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Justine. Next is Cameron in Sydney. Cameron writes, in the recap show, there was talk about Negan being the shining light of this episode. I have to agree with that. It seems to me that things are shaping up for him to be properly integrated into the group in season 10. I know a lot is being spoken about the Carol Alpha showdown, which many people are predicting and would be totally epic, but I think that they could actually be setting up the ultimate redemption play for Negan, whereby Alpha is taken out by Negan after she threatens Judith. Symbolically, this would be pretty huge. The previous arch nemesis of Rick taken down and imprisoned for six years overcoming the new and arguably greater and more terrifying threat, all for the sake of saving Rick's daughter, who he has grown to love. So they're going to they're gonna have Negan redeem himself by taking down Alpha to save Judith and basically make good on all of his past evil, evil acts. I, I could see this happening. I mean... I'd, I don't see it happening. I see the Carol Alpha showdown happening, and I think Negan would just muddy the water. I I don't disagree that Negan's going to be redeemed in some way and be brought into normal society, but I don't think that Alpha is the way to do it. And I don't even think Beta is the way to do it because that's a Daryl thing. Daryl's going to take down Beta. Carol's going to take down Alpha. Gadu and ends up, you know, and and, and having the show end up playing out that way are two different things. And well, they are, I have a feeling that there, we still may get a Carol and alpha showdown, but it will end or it won't put an end to the conflict, an ultimate end to the conflict. And then somehow Negan is going to swoop in and be the one to put the end to this conflict in the name. Wouldn't that be disappointing? Because we've already, we've got the Carol uh, Alpha conflict happening already. We've got Alpha has killed Carol's son Mm -hmm. and we've got uh, Carol befriending and uh, mentoring Alpha's daughter. We've got the conflict. Yeah. I think having someone else resolve that conflict seems to me like it would be a letdown. You're right. And they've they've definitely done way more to set up Carol and Alpha. You're, You're totally right on that. But I do think that 
they're going to have to do something with Negan. And I think that they're in a way bringing him and Judith closer together in order to have him redeem himself somehow related to her. I mean, as Cameron said, this is Rick's daughter, you know, and if he does something to save Rick's daughter, Michonne is going to be just, you can't help but think she would be terribly conflicted on what to do now. This is Negan, after all, who killed her friends and terrorized them for a long time, but suddenly he has saved the girl who Michonne considers her daughter at this point. I agree with that. Well, two things. One, we've got a whole other season for some conflict to come up where he can redeem himself in Michonne's eyes. That's true, yeah. Uh, Having Judith be the reason for that is completely plausible. Uh, The other thing is, it already happened. Negan saved Judith's life. In the snowstorm. In the snowstorm. She was apparently unable to walk and needed his coat. And he saved her, and that's why he's convalescing in a bed and not in a hole in the ground uh, where he belongs. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's saving. It wasn't as grand and dramatic as it could be, but it's already happened. So it's that that road. uh, They've already taken a few tentative steps down that road. Is it a big enough act though? Like saving her from a snowstorm? Not yet. But this is, this is like, it's already started that I, so I, I agree that the, uh, Negan's redemption is coming. I don't think we need it to be alpha or even the whisperers. We have a whole new season for something to come up to, to have him redeem himself in the eyes of Michonne at least. Right. Right. It, well, it's gotta be Michonne. I mean, everyone else is probably kind of. Gabriel. Gabriel's pretty against this guy. Well, yeah, but six years, I mean, there's got to be some lackadaisical attitudes now, right? Where, oh, Negan, he's still hanging around. He seems fine. Just let him, I don't know, run the kitchen or something like that from here on in. Uh, Michonne, though, will hold a grudge. <laughs> yeah. And she's the one who has to be convinced. But but he's also proven in this uh, this finale episode that he's still a shithead. He's still talking shit to everybody and trying to stir up as much crap as he possibly can at every opportunity. That's very true. Father, so, not the father. <laughs> so I think that uh, it's not just Michonne. I think it's Gabriel because uh, everybody else was seemed kind of uh, aloof about the whole thing, but Gabe was kind of like, doesn't this, aren't you tired of this? You know, do you really have to still be an asshole? Yeah. We're all adults here. We're all friends. You're not going to mess anything up. Just, aren't you tired of it? Yeah. Just quit it. (laughs) Yeah. Just quit it. So I I think it's Gabriel that needs to, uh, uh, he needs to redeem himself in the eyes of Gabriel as well. And he's got to simply not be a shithead and that'll get the job done. Well, I guess he needs six more years of not being a shithead then because... Yeah, he's got to try again. <laughs> maybe. Maybe try one more time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so is it next? I'm next, right? Cindy? Yeah. Okay. Cindy in Columbus, Ohio writes, I, I really want to say how much I love JDM and his portrayal of Negan this season. I think the character has redeemed himself <laughs> and I hope he stays out of that cell. He and Judas have an amazing chemistry and I can't help but wonder what Rick would think of it. They need to do a Judas Negan spinoff. I have a feeling you're not on board for that one for once. For well, a- this, this, if they're a buddy cop, duo they're solving crimes in uh washington dc i'd be fine with it right judith negan and dog solving crimes together 
Yeah, well, we'd absolutely need uh, um, Eugene to be part of that spinoff because mm. who else is going to do the CSI stuff? If right. they're going to be a buddy cop, they need at least a little bit of CSI, and they need uh, uh, they need Eugene for that. There's always there's always you know the buddy cop thing is always uh, especially a TV show. There's always been somebody in the background uh, doing computer stuff and uh, you know magically manipulating images in order to uh, zoom and enhance. Yeah. to find out what the you know the eye pattern is of somebody from a security camera 35 feet away. Yeah, that's the guy in the chair. Yeah, so they need the guy in the chair. And that's Eugene, right? That is Eugene. That's tr- I okay. who else would it be? <laughs> yeah, I mean if we're going to do a buddy cop spin-off then fine, Judith Negan, whatever. We can let Judith grow up to the age of 20 uh and then uh Negan be, to be a uh, kind of a strange uh, Obi-Wan father figure kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Works for me. As long as she's a consenting adult and not an 11-year-old girl in the spinoff. Everything is fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thanks, Cindy. Next is Zoe in Maidstone, Kent, UK. Zoe writes, why would it be Maggie's voice on the radio at the end of the episode? We already know that Maggie knows where Hilltop is, having lived there. The people know that Maggie is presumably alive and living with Georgie's group. Uh, now just a note here, I changed what Zoe originally wrote there to avoid a, uh, potential spoiler. I'll just leave it at that. But I think we do know for a fact that, uh, Maggie left to go be with Georgie and her community. I think that's actually been said. Zoe continues. Uh, so Maggie is presumably alive and living with Georgie's group due to the fact that they send letters to her there. So that's how they know she's there. Somehow. Right. So if she wanted to make contact, she could either reply or just go visit. It makes no sense for it to be her on that radio. I understand she could have been broadcasting to reach other unknown communities, but then what would be the relevance in showing it to us? Uh, Well, we don't know. I mean, there could be lots of reasons to, you know, let us hear Maggie reaching out, looking for other communities. But I totally agree with Zoe in that it doesn't make any sense that it's Maggie. Uh, And if it is, why would they like hide that fact and sort of have her be saying, I'm just broadcasting to the open air is anybody else out there kind of thing. So it doesn't feel right that it's Maggie. I don't think it's Maggie. It's not going to be Maggie. Uh, I agree with half of what you said and half of what Zoe says. I think that it doesn't make any sense right now that it's Maggie. Uh, yes, where Maggie is makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't she just reply through the mail, whatever mail system they happen to have? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sounded like Maggie, and uh, I personally think it's Maggie. Okay, well. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know what's going on. Maybe she's trapped in a tower and letting her hair grow. <laughs> I have no idea and got a hold of a radio somehow uh, instead of just, you know, letting her hair grow and having somebody climb her hair. Rapunzel's a weird story. Uh, So I don't know why it's Maggie, but I think it is. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I won't be totally surprised if they find a way to make that Maggie's voice and have it make sense. I just can't really think of it right now. And, you know, Zoe kind of pushed me in the direction of, no, it doesn't really make any sense maybe it's someone else from georgie's group and maggie's there but it's not actually her voice you know could be that too could be a whole new bunch of people 
that we don't know anything about on the show yet. So maybe Maggie was separated from from the group somehow and ended up in a radio station or or anywhere else. And maybe that's why we haven't heard a response from her via the mail or any other way. Right, because right? she's not with the group anymore. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thought actually. And like, she didn't leave a forwarding address. That's right. They have no idea how to get the mail to her, but you're right, Maggie. She didn't fill out the forwarding address card. We got nothing. <laughs> Would we set all that up for nothing? <laughs> yeah. If you can't follow the rules, we can't send you the mail. No, exactly. So, uh, I don't think it's Maggie. You think it might be Maggie. I didn't say might. Is. Is Maggie? I think it is Maggie. All right. Fair enough. We will, we will find a, we will hopefully get a resolution to this disagreement in season 10. Yeah. It's not the first time I've been wrong. All right. Next, we have a call from Dave in Pennsylvania. Hey guys, great show. I look forward to it every week. I just wanted to point something out. Earlier this season, we were told that Henry was the guy responsible for fixing the pipes at the kingdom. This week, we found out apparently he did a crappy job because faulty pipes are what destroyed the kingdom. Which means not only is Henry responsible for a whole bunch of dead people, but he single-handedly destroyed the kingdom. Doesn't that make Henry worse than Negan? Or maybe Enid wasn't the real spy. Maybe it was Henry. I don't know. But thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Henry really is is taking it hard <laughs> for the most part. Nobody liked him. Uh, everyone thought that the character was uh, more trouble than he was worth. He was letting prisoners out of jail. He was leading whispers to them. He's the cause of everything. He let... He just, all, all the bad stuff is because of Henry. I don't think the pipes are Henry's fault. I think he tried, but he didn't have the, uh, the pipes were failing beyond what anybody could fix. Not just Henry. Especially with duct tape and, you know. Well, you know, duct tape is a horrible thing to put on pipes. I mean, it has its, it's uses horrible. and it binds the it, universe it together. But. You could make an awesome wallet out of duct tape. Mm-hmm. Or even a shirt, if you really needed to. You could make duct tape armor, uh-huh. which would stop a zombie bite. Yes, it would. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, duct tape and inner tubes. And you got yourself a viable set of armor for what you need. It might not stop an arrow or a bullet. It actually definitely would stop, would not stop either one of those. But it would prevent somebody from biting you. Sure. And, you know, maybe minimize or reduce the damage from a knife, possibly. Possibly. Like especially a, a dull one. Right, especially yeah. a dull one, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I don't necessarily blame Henry uh, as, a, as a character. I think Henry was a dumbass uh, and made stupid decisions, <laughs> like eating a worm somebody else licked off for you. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's because of a girl. And I can understand that. Sure. And, you know, at least he tried. You know, the... Trying and failing is not the worst thing in the world. Not trying and having the kingdom, uh, you know, get destroyed because of it is one thing. Uh, And purposefully fucking it up in order to have the kingdom fall, that would be another thing. I just think that the the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure of the kingdom was not viable and eventually caused the downfall of... uh, uh, of their society. Sure. And it's not like he sabotaged the pipes. He just, yeah. he tried to fix them and couldn't, or it didn't last forever. Or maybe Alpha did. And then he was right? dead. Because that's where Alpha found him. 
you know, Henry was off to fix the pipes and then he ends up uh, with his head on a, on a spike, Mm -hmm. which means that Alpha found him fixing the pipes. So she was down there. Or lured him. What did she do? There. Yeah. Somehow by sabotage. What did she do to sabotage the thing? Did she, you know, clog the thing up with rags? Did she stick her fake hair in there? Did she stick, uh, you know, we don't know what happened to Henry's body. You know, it'd be easier to sneak Henry's head out of the kingdom than it would be to sneak his whole body out and then cut his head off later, you know, put his head in a bag, use his torso to clog a pipe, and uh, that would really mess things up. And then just walk out of there. Yeah, good point. And and then just leave. (laughs) So, and the lesson here is that it's easier to smuggle a head than a whole body. Yeah. I mean... If you, if that's the takeaway you, you get from that, then sure. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't it, it think of that before. It absolutely is. I mean, you know, we, have you ever tried carrying a dead body? It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Like it's, it's one thing to drag a person that is alive, but you know, the dragging a dead body is that much harder because they're not rigid. They don't, you know, uh, hold their muscles to, it's very difficult to carry a dead body anywhere. Well, and the, the term dead weight exists for a reason. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think on that note, we should move on to the next one. (laughs) Sure. And this comes from uh, Simon on the internet. Simon writes, in your last podcast, you were discussing why the walking dead decided to leave the kingdom behind. I think it's probably partly to make their filming schedule easier. The kingdom set is not located on the main uh, studio lot on Riverwood studios. Whereas the hilltop and Oceanside are, along with many other areas. Also, Alexandria is located just a few miles from Riverwood Studio, so it certainly makes sense to keep using those locations. The hilltop was built on the studio grounds and was built specifically for the show. When I visited the studio a few months ago, I was able to tour the inside of Hilltop. The entire thing is built to code, and they have made an effort to include as many details as possible within the walls. However, the main house itself is empty inside. I really wish it was a historical structure, as Jason mentioned, that would make it even cooler. Uh, and, and this is a response partly to our discussion of like sort of what were sets and what were relocations and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I also went and looked up the kingdom where that is. And apparently it's basically in Atlanta, just kind of just on the outskirts of the city, whereas everything else is down by Sonoy, Georgia, right? Which is right. not too far, but to be fair, it's not. They're not like right next door to each other. Uh, Terminus was similar in that it was up in Atlanta as well, um, not really that close to where they were filming everything else. So uh, Simon could be right, and maybe they just wanted to trim the locations down a little bit, and the kingdom was the one that made sense to go because of its location. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So much like the actual fall of the kingdom is too expensive to maintain. So they, uh, they left. So they left. Yeah, exactly. I was actually at the Terminus set too. One time that was pretty cool to see in real life. I didn't know that the kingdom was, um, similar and that it was sort of closer or almost in Atlanta, like Terminus was. Otherwise I might've gone there too. So Maybe I'll go and snoop that place next time I'm down there in Atlanta. That sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Next, we have an email from Sam in Kent, UK. Uh, apparently, Sam sent uh, a list of things uh, they would like to see in season 10, and Chris, apparently, you chose one of them. I chose this one. 
All right, perfect. So Sam writes, a rom- that what they would like is a romantic relationship for Daryl. I think it's time. Sure, he might be asexual, which is fine, but I do believe he had a romantic connection with Beth, and it was sadly cut short. I've always seen his relationship with Carol as one of mutual love and respect, and they feel like siblings to me. But over the course of this season, I think they tested the waters with Connie and maybe even Aaron. I'd be open to both, but Daryl has had such a great season and I'm fully back in love with the character after two or three seasons of finding him boring and annoying. I think a romantic relationship feels like a potential next big step for his character development. I don't want it to consume his character and storylines, but it would be very compelling and he deserves to find someone. Yep. Fair enough, Sam. I think that would be a great way actually to further develop Daryl's character because we've uh he has been boring and annoying for a couple of years uh, and and before that he was less he was not boring and annoying he was he was a fascinating character for a while there but he was very different than he is now and if he's going to continue to be on the show and continue to be a big part of it let's take him to the next step this is probably one of a bunch of ways or a bunch of things they could do i would not be against it at all because i agree i think him and connie were uh had chemistry on screen and i could see it happening yep so there, you know there's one thing about being boring and annoying when you're all by yourself but it's another to be boring and, and annoying for someone right and that's what being in a relationship is is all about is that you can be boring boring and annoying for someone you love perfect and i think that works whether it's connie or aaron you know doesn't matter to me all right finally we have a call here from siobhan Listen, uh, it's Siobhan in uh, Lancashire, in England. Well, the season finale was functional, wasn't it? Anyway, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is I handed in my PhD thesis last Friday. And because I've had to work at the same time as doing the research, it's taken me almost as long to complete it as you've been podcasting. So I wanted to say a massive thank you for being a constant and very welcome distraction throughout the whole process. I wouldn't have done it without you, lads. Thanks again, you idiots. <laughs> awesome. First of all, Siobhan, congratulations on handing no kidding. in your PhD thesis. That is an incredible accomplishment that not that many people can uh, add to their resume. I can't even imagine the amount of work and stress that would go into writing a PhD thesis. I, I can't even fathom it. I mean, she said... It's taken her almost as long as we've been podcasting. So I think you can imagine it a little bit. <laughs> no, I can imagine the time it takes. <laughs> yes. But I, I can't imagine the stress or the motivation or uh, the effort. I know. Like I've been, we've been podcasting for, uh, for, for almost 10 years and uh, there's nowhere near the effort involved <laughs> in doing a PhD thesis. <laughs> no. And I, even having the time to listen to a internet talk show uh, while doing that kind of thing uh, seems daunting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it will be our 10-year anniversary in September, which is very exciting. Uh, But Siobhan, congratulations on that. And also, um, thank you for, you know, listening to us all those years. It is absolutely wonderful. Uh, there, There was a bunch of messages from people similar to that, actually, in the last few weeks since season nine wrapped up. That they wrote PhD theses? (laughs) No, I mean, I don't know that they didn't, but they didn't mention it. But I got a bunch of emails from people just saying, 
you know, thanks for doing what you do. And, uh, you know, some people who are like, I've been listening for a long time, others who are, are new to the show. But um, I think after season nine, everyone was in a really good mood and they just wanted to spread the joy amongst people. So I got more thank yous than uh, than usual. And I just wanted to play Siobhan's message and sort of call that out and say that it is really, really nice to hear from everybody. And, you know, I have to reciprocate all that love back to everyone who puts us into your ear holes once or twice a week throughout the year, uh, because you guys are the best too. And it is certainly immensely gratifying to know that there are so many of you out there who listen, who enjoy the show and who are just willing to participate in the weird, wacky discussions we have about the walking dead and occasionally other things that come up on the podcast. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. It really is. So thank you, Siobhan, and thank you everyone out there for a great season nine, a great nearly 10 years. Jesus, Jason, we should probably start thinking about what we might want to do for the 10 year anniversary of this thing, because I don't think we should let it go by completely unnoticed. Yep. Um, So we'll get on that right away and uh, hopefully we can come up with something good uh, because it's going to be quite the thing. Let me, let me ask you a question, Chris. Uh, This is about the, uh, PhD theses, theses. Well, I certainly don't have one, so I'll try my best to answer. All right. So, well, and it's a it's a question for t- you, Siobhan, as well. So, when you get when you submit a thesis, doesn't it get published somewhere? Oh, it may. It? I mean, you have to defend it, obviously. Yeah, I know that. Uh, and uh, I don't. I don't know if it is published. Like if everyone universally is published somewhere, but it very well could be, I think. <laughs> well, the reason I'm asking uh, Chris and Siobhan specifically is that I don't know what your PhD thesis is on, and I'm sure I absolutely wouldn't understand even the basics of it, but I'd be interested in reading it. And if there was some way that uh, that it, if it is published and you'd be okay with it, I wouldn't mind perusing it and uh, just checking it out. I've never read a PhD thesis before. Uh, because, you know, I'm quite not capable of understanding it. <laughs> I don't care what the thesis is on, but it's at a PhD level and I absolutely don't understand anything at that kind of level. So, uh, basically I'd be, once, if it is published and you'd be willing, Siobhan, I wouldn't mind finding a way to get a copy, whether that's buying it, uh, However, uh, I would be able to get uh, get my mitts on it. I wouldn't mind uh, having it to at least look at it and go, what the hell? I don't understand this at all. Jason just wants to get a copy of it, skim through it a bit. and Yeah, look at look at the title. Yeah. Go, hey, cool. Somebody wrote this uh, over the 10-year span that you and I were doing the podcast. Isn't that neat? Uh, and have, a, have it in my collection i think that'd be great at least i would at least give it a shot to try and read it sure i i I had a i had a friend in high school that i went to chemistry with and she ended up getting her master's in chemistry and you have to do a thesis for master's too don't you or something well Uh, yeah i'm there's something big for a master's degree yeah yeah she once tried to explain to me uh what her 
master's thesis was on in organic chemistry. And now I pride myself in knowing a little bit about everything, like just a little bit to be dangerous about everything, at least the very basics of it, physics, chemistry, uh, mathematics, all that kind of hard science, hard math kind of thing. The very, very basics of it, I kind of get. She tried to explain to me what her thesis was on. I didn't understand it at all. Like not even the very baselines. Like I, you're not, might as well not be talking English because I don't understand what you're telling me. Yeah. And I'd like to see what that's like at a PhD level. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I hope, I hope we, in the end, just at least get to know what, uh, the subject matter is of Siobhan's thesis. That- yeah. If you have a, you know, uh, a, a summary of it, I'd like to read that too. Just send it an email. I don't have, we don't have to talk about it on the show or anything like that. Like I just would be interested in to find out more. I've, yeah. cause I've never even been within 10 feet of a PhD thesis. Just totally. Not, not knowingly. <laughs> I'm just totally curious now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called in. That will likely do it for our, you know, discussion of the season finale uh, until, and this is something that I didn't mention off the top, but it's another thing we're going to be doing over the break. And mm-hmm. that is our season nine wrap up crossover with Jason and Karen from oh, yeah. the walking dead cast. Uh, I have spoken to Jason briefly about doing that. He is, you know, uh, deep, well, just getting deep into covering the final season of Game of Thrones. So he's a pretty guy, pretty, (laughs) (laughs) he's a pretty busy guy and a pretty guy. That's fine. No. And, you know, he's running a podcast network, making a living off of it. So he's got all sorts of stuff going on. So we agreed that there's no huge rush to get to our crossover. But we also agreed that we are going to do it. We haven't missed one in in uh, eight years, so there's no reason to start missing them now. Um, well, but, Game of Thrones is going to be over pretty fast, right? There's only like seven episodes. I think there's only six. So, and, oh my god, and like it's it's going to happen. It's going to be over before you know it, right? We've already done one, so there's only five more weeks of Game of Thrones. So we might let Jesus. that run its course, and then we'll look at doing our crossover uh, season nine wrap up with those guys. Yeah, honestly, I don't foresee doing anything important uh, before Game of Thrones ends. No, I mean, it's going to focus. It, 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 I watched the episode last night, and it's taken up a a lot of my mental capacity today. Right. I mean, you're going to be lucky if you still have enough mental capacity to keep your job over the next five weeks. Like, it's yeah, it's a big deal. This Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't work today. I've got to spend the day thinking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> right, <laughs> and. <laughs> A lot of your coworkers might just understand that. <laughs> I don't want to bring it up in a call. If I bring it up in a call, that'll be the end of the, whatever the topic is for that call. Right. You'll waste the whole meeting talking about it. So that's right. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to happen. Uh, and by that, I mean Game of Thrones. And then after that, it's going to be our wrap up crossover. But before that, we're going to do our um, our episodes on Dead Set and Black Summer. Uh, so we have those to look forward to. And if there is time, Jason. If there is time, I think I want to squeeze in a Samantha Morton actor spotlight. So okay, all kinds of stuff to do in the off season here uh, while we, you know, approach whatever comes next. So um, no shortage of things. I look forward to all of it and I'm excited to uh, uh, get back to it. 
Next weekend is Easter, though, um, for those of you that uh, celebrate Easter. So we're not going to be recording then. So I think it will be about two weeks before we're back. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, so everyone enjoy your time off if you get some over Easter. And once again, just thank you so much to everyone for another great year, for listening, for being here with us. And, uh, you know, if you do drop off the podcast over the off season, which I know some people do, I hope you'll be back for season 10, which starts in October. So yeah, I might. Well, yeah. I mean, who knows? Jason <laughs> may or may not be here at all. We'll see. Well, mentally, you know, I could mentally be thinking about Game of Thrones and still talking about The Walking Dead. That's no problem. Yeah, sure. <laughs> there are similarities, you know, when you, <laughs> when you think about it. So. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, don't say that. People want to get you started. Do you want to do a Game of Thrones episode? Well, once it's over, maybe. Okay. Once it's over and the whole thing is in the can and our eye holes have uh, visualized everything that's, that's happened. And uh, we have, you know, at least a couple hours of perspective on the whole deal. Then uh, maybe we could talk about Game of Thrones. Because I remember talking about it before and it spun off into like 45 minutes or something. I think it might have been an after hours or something. Okay, maybe. I uh we'll we'll see how it goes. I'll be honest with you. That's another thing that people are are asking me about. Can you please do a Game of Thrones at least episode? Some people want us to do like a a recap of every every one, but I I just I'm a f- sorry everyone, I cannot commit to that right now, but if if we can do a post Game of Thrones like full series kind of wrap up, that might be fun. I'd be in, I'd be on board for that. Yeah. I mean, we can slice and dice it. You know, we don't necessarily have to talk about the plot from the beginning to the, to the end. We can slice and dice it and just talk about, okay, today we're going to talk about Littlefinger. Or, you know, today we're, because you could spend a whole episode just on Littlefinger. All right. right? Well, or today uh, we're only going to concentrate on the nudity. And we'll just talk about all the nudity <laughs> in Game of Thrones uh, from beginning to end. I'm going to need you to lead this one, man, because you, <laughs> out of the two of us, you are the Game of Thrones expert. Certainly over me. I've seen it all, but only once. I think you've seen it all multiple only times. Only once? Yeah, only once. Did you even recognize... Uh, can't, I, can't, I can't bring up the latest episode. Please don't. Yes, don't. I'm not going to. Do okay, it's, it's hard. All right, moving on. All right, so we'll see what we can do about Game of Thrones sometime in the future. So please sit tight, keep your eyes on our website, our Facebook page, stuff like that for information regarding that. Everything else we're doing, I've already talked about. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, You can email us, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. It's a great way to get in touch. We're on Twitter at Talking Dead, or we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And of course, talkingdeadpodcast.com is our website where you can find all of our episodes all the way back to number one. Okay, that is going to do it for this podcast. Until next time, everyone, when we talk about uh, Black Summer, the new Netflix show, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.